Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number four, which is actually the first episode in our three-part Money and Marriage mini-series. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money YouTube channel. So we make short, actionable videos on money and mindset, as well as in-depth budgeting tutorials with tools like YNAB. So we've got a whole bunch of different videos over there dedicated to helping you manage your money and live your adventure. If you want to check those out, just type in Nick True or Mapped Out Money into YouTube and it'll pull it right up. All right, Nick. So what are we talking about today in episode number four? Well, uh, we're going to talk about how I ruined our honeymoon. Um, And if you're listening and wondering how that relates to finance, I don't really blame you. Uh, But trust me, this story is definitely going to shed a light on how money stress can put a real damper on what's supposed to be like an amazing, awesome, you know, situation going on your honeymoon. It's supposed to be fantastic. And money stress really got got the best of me. And we're going to get into that. Hopefully, by the end, we'll see how just having a little bit of self-awareness will help make your life a lot easier and ultimately a lot more enjoyable as well. So before we jump into kind of the main honeymoon story, I think we should give it a little bit of context. When we first uh, were planning our honeymoon, we were going to go to a cabin, just keep things really low key, not too far away from where we were living. Um, But my parents, like super lovingly, uh, surprised us with a cruise. So when we got married, or when we got engaged, actually, I was 19. And you were, what were you, 21? And then we were planning to get married, and I was 20, and you were 22. Yep. So we're, we're young. Hannah was starting graduate school right after our wedding, and then I was finishing up my junior year. We got married in the summer before my senior year. Mm-hmm. So we're both still in school. I was working an internship. And if I remember correctly, we had saved up like ten or $11,000, and we were basically going to use that money plus my internship money to live until I got a full-time job after I graduated college, which means that we had a burn rate. You know, in the startup tech world, we had an influx of money that we were living off of, and we had a certain amount of time that that money was going to last us. So even though on paper, we could do it, right? The math worked. We had saved this much money. We had enough money to get married and make it until I graduated college and got a real job. For somebody who's very budget-focused, it's hard to sit back and watch watch your net Still worth your- or savings or whatever continue to go down every month. Yeah. So that that was stressful and I knew going into our marriage that was already stressing me out from the get-go. Now that you have the context of us getting engaged young and not being established in our careers and kind of entering into marriage under under those stressful circumstances, let's move on to the wedding which I would like to tell you was uneventful and we would just go to the honeymoon, <laughs> but That's not the case. So lots of people get married outdoors and have a plan B as their their backup for their wedding setup. We uh, didn't because we weren't getting married outdoors. We were getting married in an event barn. It was air conditioned. It was all covered and closed in. So, you know, we didn't really think too much about the weather. We did have reception kind of stuff set up underneath a tent, but it was right beside the barn. So here comes the wedding day. The weather was great. In the All morning. morning long. Yep. It was totally fine. Everything's going off according to plan. And then like 30 or 45 minutes before our wedding is supposed to start, this huge storm rolls in. Tornado watches and warnings and power going out. Nasty storm. Nasty storm. I'm kind of removed from all of it because I was up, you know, in the space that they had designated for the bride and the bridesmaids to get ready. 
And everybody's trying to hide everything that's going on from me. And the funny thing about this is that you're normally the one who's cool, calm, collected. And you're the one who everybody's trying to, like, make sure you don't find out and get stressed out about what's happening. Whereas I'm stuck kind of in the middle of all this, right, where we've gotten the power knocked out. So my uncles have driven off to go get some diesel generators. Our decoration vases, all that stuff's getting blown over Everybody, and including our caterer, had his family there and was helping to was, try to... Yeah, Yes. things back together. I mean, we had some amazing people. If we nothing did. else, it was a testament to our families and our friends really coming together to pull this thing off. Yep. Speaking of that, we had um, a friend of mine and then um, one of our groomsmen, Nathan, basically luckily had instruments with them. Nathan has it. You know, he never goes anywhere without a guitar. So luckily he was able to just grab his guitar and play music because we had no power to be able to use the sound system and the preset music we had. So in the end, I think our wedding turned out better than we even planned it because it was everybody coming together and just, I mean, totally just making the best out of the situation. Although, and you, you warned me about this ahead of time, but you know, this is kind of a sidebar people. I, I think that I look, good decent in a black suit okay and i feel very strongly about that i think that i look my best in a black suit and so i was adamant but we got married in the middle of june in the middle of june <laughs> so i kept asking nick like are you sure that you want to wear a black suit and you want to make all the groomsmen wear black suits? And he insisted they were not only black suits, black shirts. They were black on black. They yeah, were yeah. blacked out. We looked good until the, the air conditioning went out. And then they're running around and like we were crazy. running around and it was sweating. So I'm sure they all hated me by the time it was over. I know. Over. I told him. I was like, you know, I'm fine for you to wear whatever you want to wear. But you have to make sure that those guys know I am not the one making them wear this. <laughs> so you get the idea that the wedding was chaotic and Nick was was the one dealing with most of the stress. I do also want to point out that it sounds so disastrous, but it absolutely wasn't. It wasn't. And our wedding photographers, actually, when, when they delivered our photos to us after that, they said, that was like the most amazing wedding we've ever seen. And people coming together like that is so unusual. They said, we've seen far less go wrong at weddings and just people be up in arms. They said, nobody was upset. Nobody was angry. Like everybody just did what needed to be done. And it was great. So I do want to say that like for our, our yeah, family, no, our and family was amazing. Everything they was were awesome. Fantastic. And they're everybody's willingness to jump in and just, you know, do whatever to, to make the thing happen. Yep. I think in hindsight, I realized how stressful that day was for Nick. But in the moment, I guess I didn't necessarily know all that he had had to deal with. So the day after our wedding, we're supposed to be leaving for our honeymoon. And we've got like, what, maybe a 12-ish hour yeah, I drive? Think, yeah, 12 is right, I think. What you need to know about Nick is <laughs> when he goes down, he goes down hard. And I don't know like that, that I knew K that. Song about you yeah. at the time he'll he'll go long periods of time working super long hours not sleeping a lot you know whatever but then when he crashes it's all over so little did i know one of these crashes was was coming so we get in the car to start driving to our honeymoon and he he asked if i could drive first because he just needed to take a nap so fine totally well he takes a 12 hour nap like i kid you not he woke up once to go into Subway and get sandwiches. But other than that, I was stopping to buy gas, stopping to go to the bathroom. He was waking up for none of it. We got off to a little bit of a bumpy start, but I, I wasn't mad. I just thought, I honestly thought, do we even need to get on this cruise? Because Nick's about to be 
deathly ill. Yeah. I, I was like, he has to be coming down with something. I've never seen him sleep like this. But he didn't. Luckily, that's not part of our honeymoon story. It would make me sound better if if I actually was sick. We could sick. add that in. We could add that in. Okay, yeah. so let's add it in. <laughs> you guys pretend that I came down with an illness. Yeah, it didn't happen, but it could have. <laughs> so we'll just roll with it. So, you know, we get there. We get to where the port is and everything. And we're staying one night in a hotel before... We get on the boat and we have a great night. We went out to dinner. Yeah, that was and really good. It was a super nice hotel and everything. So that was great. So, you know, we've had the crazy wedding. Nick slept out all of his stress. And so, you know, now we're ready to start this great honeymoon. Yeah. Right? It had been a long time since Nick had been a, on a cruise. Yeah. I, I had never been I on one. I went on one when I was like 11 or 12, I think. Yeah. So we're kind of just enthralled with the whole cruise ship thing to begin with. And this is where, where we're going to start tying some of this into money, which is I don't do well when things don't go according to my plan. And I didn't realize that cruises were not all inclusive. Okay. that That's an error on my part. <laughs> Um, so, you know, there's drink packages, there's drink and packages, there's tips, and, there's tips. You know, just different little there's things. There's a lot that of things up. that you can't do unless you're willing to pay a little bit. And it's like not excursions. Yeah. And it's not always a ton, but it's a little bit. And remember the context. I'm a long term thinker and I'm stressing about how little money we have to make it through until I graduate college. And so all that is weighing heavy on my mind. And we get on the cruise and boom, out of the gate. We can't drink anything unless we've got a package. Not even sodas. You know, we got so, a package for that. Nick's just ticked off about the principle of the whole thing. <laughs> it I, is. Know, it's a principle thing. It totally is. It had nothing to do with drinks. Very little to do with money. And just the unexpected expense, even though it was relatively small. That kicked Nick off into a not-so-great spiral. So then, you know, the next day... We had paid for an excursion in advance, so we had planned this snorkeling trip where they, you know, take you out for several hours on a boat. You know, they drop this, like, food box down for sharks, and it's some sort of, like, super passive shark that doesn't That's attack people. That's like a coral people. reef shark yeah. or something. And, uh, but then you get to snorkel on the surface and watch the sharks kind of swim around this food box. So we go out to do our excursion, and if you know what Nick looks like, he's got a big beard and a big Snorkels mustache. Snorkels don't work that well. They do not. You know, Hitler, if he taught us anything, (laughs) taught us that. That's a terrible reference, but there's a reason that um, he he had the stash. Goofy little stash. Masks and seals don't work when you have facial hair, and we didn't know that. I think we did know that. We just didn't think about it. We're making me sound really smart in this episode right here. (laughs) So we're jumping in the water to snorkel with all these tropical fish and everything. It's going to be super cool. Nick jumps in, and I mean, his mask is instantly filled with water. So he was not super excited. I mean, you were fine with doing snorkeling. Sure. It's just not your jam. It's not snowboarding for you. Snowboarding is to me... What the snorkeling beach and is snorkeling to is to me. And so he's just mad. He is not having any of it. I remember swimming around the whole time just trying to kick my feet and not using my arms because I had to use my hands <laughs> to just press the mask to my <laughs> face to try to be able to see something. I just... And so yeah. I'm like hanging back there with Nick like, come on, get it together. And meanwhile, it's a pretty big group of people. Yeah. And so some of them had split off and gone different directions. And I'm hearing people like pop up out of the water like, oh my gosh, did you guys see X, Y, or Z thing? You know? And so I'm getting mad because we're missing out on seeing Right. We're on our honeymoon, everything. snorkeling in the Bahamas. This is supposed to be an amazing time where you're like enjoying your, you know, super awesome trip with your brand new spouse. And I'm just a daggum buzzkill. <laughs> 
So that part of our trip that we had kind of splurged on didn't go according to plan either. No. Tensions are building, but we're okay. Things just haven't quite worked out the way that we envisioned them with rainbows and butterflies, (laughs) you know, being over our honeymoon. But it's okay. The next day, we get off the boat and there's like a little market and all this stuff. There's a woman who made pearl necklaces. So I find this pearl necklace that I want to buy. And it's $20. Not fine jewelry or anything. And Nick gets livid. It it was the straw that broke the camel's back at this point. So the instant that I bring up the necklace, he's like, how ungrateful can you be? We've done this cruise, we've done the snorkeling, and now you want a necklace. And he storms off, walks back to the boat, and proceeds to go into the cabin and not talk to me for like a day. Like an entire day. So we're on this boat. We have no cell service. Nick's mad and I'm mad. I mean, yeah, let's say what it is. I'm throwing a tantrum. Like I'm just pouting. And that pretty much lasted till we got off the boat. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. The night... Before we got off the boat, when we went to dinner, you were like, I'm sorry, oh, I need yeah, to pull yeah. it together. Okay, okay. You apologized for overreacting, and I apologized for not being aware of how much stress the money aspect was causing you. And that's kind of the first time when you opened up and told me, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about all of our savings going down and how closely we have this mapped out. And I'm stressing about it. I guess to try and make myself sound a little bit better, it really was coming from a good place of I was stressed about our money situation. In my eyes, I had just taken on this brand new responsibility of saying like, we're going to come together and get married. You can do grad school for the next three years. And I'm going to financially help support that. And that's, that's where I felt like, you know, I was doing my thing, doing my responsibility. And I was worried about letting you down and not letting that happen. And I didn't want to talk about it because I was afraid that might stress you out too. See, Nick is afraid that this story makes him sound like a jerk. But I think this story actually makes me look bad because I was so clueless about what was bothering you. No, I don't I don't think that's true. I think... But I at the just, end of the day, we're all humans. Right, Nobody's we're all perfect, humans. So you can see both of our flaws in this story. <laughs> totally, totally. And I think, you know, ultimately... It was a miscommunication, which I think, you know, probably what, you know, 99% of all marriage problems come down to. And uh, in case you're wondering, we did have time the next day after we had kind of made up and everything because we were in that port long enough. Yeah. So we were able to get back off the boat and we went and bought my $20 necklace, which I still have and love and is always a reminder of us working through this first part of our marriage. Yes, we still have the necklace, and I just have to remember to look at the good aspects of it, of all the things that we learned from it, and not the bad aspects. Because like even just telling the story right now, I just I need to like continue to tell you I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for how I acted. It was crazy. That's true for like both of us in all of marriage. Oh, Sit back and look at like the way you've acted or things you've done yeah. to your spouse. You pretty much just always feel like you need to sit there and apologize yeah, nonstop. I- Totally. So that being said, let's talk about what we learned from this and what hopefully anybody who's listening to this can learn or or take away or apply to their own life. I think the first thing is the importance of having self-awareness and understanding how you personally interact with money, how money affects you, and what that means. So for me, a couple things we learned, I didn't even know this about myself really until this, you know, happened, is just how badly I can be affected by things not going according to plan. I am mm-hmm. super strategic with my game plans and my thinking things through. But the problem is if anything derails that game plan, I stress Even out. Even if it's minor. Even if it's minor. Yeah, yeah. that's the point. We're, you know, ultimately with this story, we're talking about a few hundred dollars, maybe. It, was, it really wasn't that much in the grand scheme of things, but it was enough for me 
to feel like it was throwing off our game plan, and I freaked out. The second thing we learned is when I do freak out, I tend to shut down, which is not a healthy way to deal with problems, but that is my my go-to measure. Where this comes into play is having the self-awareness piece and knowing how money does affect me and how I interact with money and how I think about it. We can now, step number two, which is apply that to our game plan and our budget, try to create a plan that will compensate for that rather than trying to change my emotional interactions with money rather than work on that first i would rather create a budget or game plan that just compensates for that can relieve some of the pressure initially that's right and then if you want to work on those things in the future we're advocating for both but initially i think the plan is just faster yeah right you can you can change your budget faster to deal with some of this whereas working on yourself internally and how you deal with stress and how you handle it takes a lot longer time yeah and so the way we pr- kind of practically dealt with this is two things. Number number one is we built a larger monthly unexpected amount into the budget. We use, you know, YNAB to track our budget. Every single month, we have a category called unexpected, and it's a couple hundred dollars. And we have no idea what it's going to get used for, but it does get used a lot of the time. And that brings me so much relief and peace knowing that whatever comes that derails our plan we've already got a contingency for it the second thing is a bigger emergency fund which you know if you listen to any personal finance advice you're going to hear about the emergency fund but this one is so important to us and we actually because we're business owners and self-employed we actually have an emergency fund personally and then the business keeps a three-month emergency fund as well which is enough to cover all business expenses and paying ourselves, which I think has been hugely important for, you know, the time we're living in right now. As we record this on, you know, March 19th, 2020, we're in we the are midst in the midst of this coronavirus. Craziness. Yeah, it's yep. wild. And I think the reason that I've been able to maintain some level of mental stability and emotional stability is knowing that we have emergency money set aside. And even though the stock market is tanking and, you know, all the toilet paper is getting bought up and we're not sure what the next couple of months are going to look like. We have some level of security knowing that we can still pay our bills. We can still afford to have the business pay us and we're going to be okay. You know, with emergency funds, we like to break our emergency funds up, not even just like business and personal, but in our personal life, we have an emergency fund dedicated to the Airstream and the truck and the pets. So we really try to break it out and make sure that we've got a good little safety net for every area of our life. Because we've noticed if we just pile everything into an emergency fund, it can kind of give you a false sense of security. Because you see this big chunk of money sitting there and you're like well, we're totally good. And you can be tempted to kind of take out of that and use it for other things or not contribute more to it because you feel like you're totally good or, you know, whatever. But when you break it out kind of by the category, you realize how quickly you can burn through it. Because, I mean, you can have $1,000 in repairs on the the truck and the Airstream in no time and $1,000 in vet bills in no time. So just recognizing what you actually need to have a good safety net and to give you peace of mind. And that that's been a game changer. Yeah, for us. that's a great point. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, because when I was saying the words emergency fund a few minutes ago, I'm really talking about an income loss fund mm-hmm. because you're totally right. We have a pets truck airstream. You know, we have these other ones that handle all that. Our emergency money that is called emergency money is really uh, income loss. Yeah. You know, and, and that gives us a lot of security. And people say, you know, well, how much should I have in an emergency fund? To answer that question, you know, 
it really goes back to this story. A lot depends on your personality. For us, and the way that I handle stress, I like to have a little bit more because I tend to be pretty conservative. So you hear the, the, you know, normally it's thrown around three to six months of living expenses. Again, that's more for the income loss side of things. If you're only going to touch that money in case of income loss, then that three to six months is a good, decent rule of thumb place to start. But you also need to be thinking about, you know, pets, kids, medical, house, cars, all that kind of stuff that could really be a quote unquote emergency. If you are super young, right, you're maybe in your late teens or early 20s, you're in college and you're single with no kids, you probably don't need as big of an emergency fund as somebody who's in their 40s with a large house, three cars, four kids, you yeah, know, Yeah, think about your situation and, and, and how quickly and easily you can cut back on your lifestyle to control expenses. If you can tomorrow start eating ramen noodles and living with seven roommates to cut costs, then yeah, you're okay with a lower emergency fund. Totally. Because you can make some drastic lifestyle changes to control your expenses. But yeah, when you've got a family and a mortgage and all that stuff, it's it's not as quick and easy to make those big changes. So you need to be prepared to address emergencies as soon as they come up in other ways. So take all of that into account. And then the last sort of layer of icing on that cake, if you will, is your personality and how you deal with money and kind of the purpose of us telling you this story of having self-awareness. How do you interact with money? What does that look like for you? And in some of our upcoming episodes in this sort of money and marriage series, we're going to talk about some of Hannah's interactions with money and how we can build those into the budget and different ways that we're doing that. But right now, I want you to think about yourself. How does money affect you and what sort of game plan or budget line items should you create or make changes to? in order to compensate for that. All right, now we can't close out this episode without telling what happened about a year, or I guess maybe a year, year and a half yeah, after, after yep. our honeymoon story. We had some friends of ours um, get married and have uh, a honeymoon story of their own. So why don't, Hannah, why don't you share sort of what happened here? So this is before I, I got very minimalist with my social media. So I was still on Facebook and everything, looking at our friends who have just gotten married and gone on this tropical honeymoon. And every day they're posting pictures out on the beach and, you know, their fancy dinners. And I call Nick into the office and I'm like, look, Nick, this is what our honeymoon was supposed to be. It was looking, amazing looking. And it, like, was. It, it doesn't help that these two people are very attractive people. They're just beautiful people. <laughs> they are. And so they've got these amazingly like magazine-esque, nice yep. iconic honeymoon photos They're all the people over you want to hate, but you can't because they're so sweet and awesome. Totally. So a couple of weeks later, after they get back from their honeymoon, we have this couple over for dinner. And I'm talking to the wife and telling her, you know, how I have just been swooning over all of their honeymoon pictures. And she just very candidly says, let me tell you about that honeymoon, okay? The first night we were there, she's like, I don't know what I ate, but I got the worst food poisoning. She said the rest of the trip, I literally... I couldn't leave the bathroom. She was like, I, we ran out to the beach to take pictures. We tried to go to dinner some, got our food and would snap a picture and then just run back to the room for me to get sick. She was like, it was awful. It was the worst trip I've ever had in my entire life. So just a reminder about comparing yourself to people in our world of social media. Nobody's life is perfect. We only see these little clips from people. And if you're married, you know that no marriage is perfect. And it doesn't matter who you're married to. You're going to have issues. You're going to have arguments. Things are going to be hard sometimes. And you just work through it. And it's all good. And just remember, 
that nobody's life is as perfect as you think it is. And we hope that by sharing sort of our story along with a little tidbit of our friend's story, if you had a honeymoon story or even a vacation story or anything like this happen in your marriage. And you're th- you're thinking, what's wrong with yeah, us? Something's wrong with us. You're not alone. So if you didn't get anything else out of this episode, we hope that you at least are feeling really good about yourself and your marriage and like, hey, I'm not so bad at this after all. (laughs) All right, Nick, why don't you close us out with our Stuff We Like segment? So the thing I want to share today is a book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's sort of a um, practical guide to Stoicism, which is, um, I guess, an ancient philosophy. And it's got a lot of good um, tenets and practices that have been extremely helpful. And it's really very fitting for both the time we're living through right now, the coronavirus panic stuff, and then also um, this story that we told today, because it has a ton of practical wisdom for how to not let your emotions destroy you, override you, how to not um, stress out during stressful times, how to keep your cool, how to be able to actually use the obstacles in your life as the path to get wherever it is you're trying to go. It's a fantastic book. It's it's short, chunky, bite-sized chapters, two to three pages at a time. It's a really, really great read. So I highly recommend it for literally anyone. Yeah, it's actually one that I have on my reading list too. Totally. And it's been, you know, recommended and highly read amongst business people and athletes. Actually, in the NFL, a bunch of coaches have read it and then had their Didn't teams like read it. Bill Belichick? It. Yeah, Bill Belichick read yeah. it. Um, he has a couple of Nick Saban examples. So, you know, whether it's sports, in your marriage, business. in business, it doesn't matter. It's super applicable. So highly recommend checking out that book. And if you're not a big reader, you can still get the audiobook. All the same tenets and lessons are there. So big fan. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We hope you'll be back next week. And remember, you can always send comments, questions, concerns, anything to nick at mappedoutmoney.com. We're really looking forward to hearing back from you. So thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.